pray. Lord Jesus, I just praise you and I thank you, Lord, that we could be here. Lord, I thank you for um, just the good weather that you give us, Father God. And Lord, um, I also just uh, pray that you'd be with us as we continue to worship through listening to your word, Lord. And um, Lord, that we'd hear you speak. Lord, I pray that you'd speak through me, Jesus. And um, Lord, that you would encourage our hearts, including mine, to continue to follow after you. Lord, that you'd, um, Lord, correct us where we need to be corrected, that you would show us um, just good principles or good things, Lord, that we need to keep doing. Um, and Lord, we want to honor you with our lives, Lord, that we would be people that don't just hear your word, but like uh, James told us, that we would be doers of your word and live it out. So we just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Cool. So, um, yeah, we're in um, Joshua 4. And um, just like the Israelites, you know, went through the Jordan River, Mike and Allison have a pool for us today. So, like, if you're mega hot, hopefully the Lord doesn't split the water for you and you can actually get a dip in the water. But, I mean, if we see that happening, we might grab some stones and, like, set it there as a memorial. Um, I'm only playing. So, um, no, but if you remember last week, uh, they were talking about the priests just walked into the middle of the Jordan. You guys remember that this time of year, um, it, it isn't just because of speculation. The scripture actually says it was flood season. So the Jordan would be close to a mile wide, okay, during flood season. So, like I told you before, sometimes when the Lord is going to do something, the Lord's like, I'm going to show you big time. Like, I'm not going to send you when, like, it's dry season and the Jordan's kind of like at its normal levels. I'm going to show you I could do great things even when the odds are stacked against you. Because we could say they're stacked against the Lord, but the Lord, as we find out from Scripture, can do anything he wants. He is the God of the impossible. It's not impossible for him. It's impossible for us. So when we sit there and, um, you know, the Lord tells us to do something, remember, we need to have the faith that Abraham had. Remember, Abraham believed the God that can make something out of nothing. I don't know anybody else that could do that. Abraham believed the God that could raise the dead. And then I would sit and think, nowhere in Scripture before Abraham did I hear of the Lord raising the dead. Abraham believed God even for things that maybe his eyes hadn't even seen yet. And sometimes we need to believe the Lord when he calls us out. You know, uh, some of us that sit here today have believed the Lord as we've set out from our original nations where we were born from. And we heard the Lord calling and we came. And the Lord is parting the Jordan for us through visa processes. <laughs> and sometimes we stand there and we say, I don't have enough money, Lord. Or, Lord, I don't know if this is going to make it. Am I really supposed to be here? And I've said before, there's nothing like being in the Lord's will. I'd rather be in the Lord's will than anywhere else. Even if it's a billion-dollar yacht, I'd rather be in the Lord's will than have the riches of this world. Why? Because there is peace and rest in the Lord's will. I'm not saying that life is easy. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that when hard times come, 
you're standing in the Lord's will and you know that the Lord will fight for you. The God of the impossible is there with you. And you're actually living out your life to what it was made to be, to honor and glorify the Lord. So those are, that's just like my side thing. Now we're going to go to the main thing. All right. So, um, so they go through the, the Jordan River. The Lord tells them what they need to do. So last week in chapter three, the Lord said, remember, pick 12 men. All right. And then, then in chapter four, he reveals what those 12 men are supposed to do. And like I said last week, they had to pick up 12 large stones from the riverbed and carry them out. So they had to be purpose, you know, like um, purposely picked. Uh, because it wasn't just that they were picking out 12 stones and just rolling it to the river's edge. We're going to see today that they actually had to carry those stones. So um, let's pick up in verse 8. So the men did as Joshua had commanded them. So we see something really simple here. We see obedience. All right. Now, um, I don't know if you guys, if any of you guys have children, um, obedience usually they're not just they're just not born all of them aren't born obedient you know what i mean they're born other little people and um the thing that you normally have to teach your children is how to be good how to have a have how to have uh, moral bearings how to be kind because you don't have to teach a child listen I never sat there with any three of my girls and taught them this is how you uh, start a fight with toys or this is how you be greedy okay so like when somebody says you know I, I didn't walk up no baby 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 you're sharing too much you know like you just you know when somebody asks you for the toy you keep giving it to them no you're supposed to say no mine you know come on you know I didn't have to teach them that they knew it. I didn't even have to teach them the sentence. They were able to grab that English language and put that sentence to, you know, that statement together. And they were able to deliver that without daddy or mommy's help. So that is sin nature in us. Nobody had to teach them that. Nobody has to teach you how to sin, right? You don't have to sit there and have to have a coach, you know, like they, they show in the cartoons. I was watching one with the girls. I, I don't I don't know, it was like one of these Disney ones or something like that, where the angel shows up on one shoulder and the devil shows up on the other shoulder and they're like, nah, you should punch the guy. And then the angel's like, no, we need to be holy or whatever. And um, sometimes we can do it like that, but we tempt ourselves. James tells us that. We can't blame our temptations on somebody else. You know, oh God, you tempted me. And the Lord's like, no, your sin nature tempted you. You went and did what you, what your flesh wanted to do, right? So nobody has to teach you to sin, but you have to be taught how to do good things. I have to teach my children how to share, and it takes a couple of tries, right? Especially, you know, that two, three-year-old age and another two or three-year-old comes around and you're like, oh, yeah, your cousins, you're going to love each other. Why are you biting them? You know, like, what is going on? Who taught you how to bite? Hey, how, why'd you poke them in the eye? You know, like, and they're fighting for their things, which ultimately they actually didn't buy most of the time, right? Like, I sit there and I tell my girls, 
when did you buy this toy? And they're like, you, you, mommy gave it to me, you gave it to me. It's like, right. It was given to you. It was shared with you. So learn to share it with others. I don't want to share, you know? And it takes about like anywhere from two to 2,000 times of teaching them to share that they finally, one day you see them sharing. So it's hard work. So then you see these guys being obedient. They learned something. They weren't just like, hey, I'm just an obedient person, you know? Most of the time, some of us are obedient because we're scaredy cats. And, and really, is that because you're a good person? No, it's because you're scared of getting in trouble, right? It's only Jesus who changes our heart that says, hey, you know what? I want to honor the Lord. I'm going to be obedient. So these guys have been through it. They've seen something, and they understand Joshua's in charge, and we're just going to listen to him because we know that God's speaking to him. So they're obedient. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan River, one for each tribe, just as the Lord had told Joshua. They carried them to the place where they camped for the night and constructed a memorial there, or the memorial there, that the Lord had told them to do. So we see these these 12 guys chosen from each tribe. It's almost as if the Lord is saying to them, each one of you are part of this great work. So that later on, a tribe can excuse itself and say, well, we're not represented. You know, there's 11 stones there. We're not, you know, us, you, the Benjamites or whoever, aren't res- represented there. So like we can actually do what we want. The Lord's like, no, this is a memorial of something that I did for you as a pact that I would give you this promised land. You're in it. You're in it. I did great things for you. Now love me back. Continue to to walk with me, and I'll continue to walk with you. Like that verse in Jeremiah. Jeremiah, uh, what is it? It's 29, 11, where everybody knows that the Lord, you know, has great things for you. And then 12 talks about drawing close to the Lord, and he will draw close to you. You know, that's a great promise that we have. That when we actually say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to draw close to you. The Lord says, I'm going to do the same. I'm going to move in close to you. So seek me and I will be found by you. You know, we're told that over and over in scripture. So, um, so these guys couldn't excuse themselves. The tribes, the families couldn't excuse themselves later on as each tribe was represented in these 12 stones. And um, they weren't forgotten and they could not forget what the Lord had done for them. That's what the Lord was, was saying to them. Now, their campsite was a place called Gilgal, right? And from the Jordan to Gilgal was, how, long, how far do you think it was? Maybe 20 paces to the campsite? It was eight miles. Eight miles, all right? So they had to take these stones and walk eight miles with these stones to set up the altar. Now, Gilgal had, had um, like an, important, uh, an importance within the Israelites later on. One, this memorial was set up there. If you remember, Gilgal was the place where their first king was crowned. It was their coronation. Uh, so the, the other things that we found at Gilgal are that when David had to leave 
So if you guys don't know this, David had to leave his, his throne for a little while because his son was starting a coup, a, a rebellion against him. So David and all of his men kind of went away and they hid for a little while. And when they received David back after, you know, the rebellion had been squashed, um, it was at Gilgal. Gilgal also had a school of prophets, which I think is kind of cool. You know, during the time of uh, Elisha, there, were, there was a school of prophets there. And um, so Gilgal had that. Gilgal was also one of the important places that Samuel would, when he was going around doing his like uh, ministry circuit, Gilgal was one of the places he would stop. So it was fairly important as, as a place uh, for the Israelites. And its first importance came during this time. It was Joshua's camp. This was where Joshua would pretty much launch the campaign to take over the promised land. So he's there at Gilgal. They have to walk eight miles. And that speaks something to me. Because sometimes when the Lord is like, hey, listen, I want you to honor and glorify me. When that's revealed to us, we're like, awesome, great. But then we don't know that that's an eight-mile walk with a rock on our backs right? And the Lord the whole time is, is encouraging us to continue on. How many of you guys have walked this faith for more than, I don't know, a week? Yeah, more than a week. You know what I mean? Have you ever felt like you're carrying a rock on your back? I have at times. Like, like it gets heavy, right? The, the thing that the Lord has told you to do gets heavy, and you're in it for an eight-mile walk. Now, these guys could have quit. They could have said, hey, listen, the vision you revealed to us, Joshua, that the Lord gave you, that's awesome to set up a memorial for you so that the Lord's name would be honored and glorified, and this would go down in history of what he did for us at the Jordan River. That sounds great, but have you ever carried a rock for eight miles, my man? You know, they could, have, they could have done that. And sometimes we get upset, like Jeremiah, right? Jeremiah, he went and complained to the Lord a couple of times. And one of the times I remember that I've read and, and I looked at was, Jeremiah comes to the Lord and he's like, yo, man, I don't like doing this job. Speaking your word, these people hate me. They throw me into the sewer. You know, like, honestly, they threw Jeremiah into the sewer and locked him there for a long time, sitting in poo. And then somebody hauled him out. And the Lord told Jeremiah at the beginning of his ministry, Jeremiah, you will speak my word. Awesome. That sounds awesome, Lord. Jeremiah, no one is going to listen. Um, so if I skip telling your word, what's the matter? <laughs> Nobody's going to listen anyway. But Jeremiah stood there as a witness to the Lord, and it was up to those people to obey, whether if they wanted to obey or not. And Jeremiah was faithful, but Jeremiah did complain. And that is a beautiful thing to me because sometimes I get tired and I can go to the Lord and say, Lord, why am I here? Why am I here? And then the Lord answers Jeremiah back, and he says, you complain about running with the foot soldiers. What about when I make you run with the horses? What? Like the Lord's like, listen, 
I can empower you to do great things, and you will be doing things beyond belief if you rely on me. But if you don't rely on me, you can't even run with people. You won't have the strength. And as we, we have this beautiful promise, better than the Old Testament, that the Lord is with us. The Lord will empower us. But sometimes we set out and we say, yep, I got this rock. And we throw it on our backs and we're like, yeah, glory, glory unto the Lord. Woo, mile one. Yeah, we're good. Mile two. Okay, mile three. What the heck am I doing this for? I can't even remember the vision. What was the vision? That I'm going to get crushed by a rock by the end? You know, what is this? What's going on? You know, we get overwhelmed. And Joshua's men show us, carry it out. Do what the Lord told you to do. But there's a warning in there. Gilgal also became a place where Israel sinned against the Lord. They started to worship the Lord in a place they weren't supposed to. And the Lord, through the prophets, told them, this is wrong. You need to go to Jerusalem at the one altar that you're allowed to worship. But they didn't listen. They stayed there. So sometimes when we set up a memorial, we need to be careful not to worship the memorial. We need to worship the God who did the thing that we set up a memorial for. Sometimes we like to make idolatrous altars or we sit in the past. Remember when God did this for me and you'd never you know, progress into the future. Or it can become something scary if we worship that memorial for younger generations because they can't live up to it. But we have to tell them that it was the Lord who did that work. And if they walk with him, the Lord will continue to do the work. All we're doing is remembering that the Lord was with us. Not that we are sitting here worshiping, you know, like these Israelites worshiping 12 stones. No, those stones did nothing. Those stones are a representation of what God did. So we need to be careful with that, not to worship the memorial. And am I willing to walk the distance when the Lord shows me his glory? When the Lord says, I need you to remember this. I need you to glorify my name. I need you to carry these heavy stones to the place, but I can give you the strength to carry it, to glorify my name, and to actually complete what the Lord has asked us to do, you know? So, verse 9, Joshua also set up another pile of 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan at the place where the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant were standing, and they are there to this day. And, you know, they're talking about to this day when this was written. I actually don't know if anybody's put on their scuba diving gear and gone in the Jordan and like were looking for 12 stones stacked on top of each other, right? This to me is a peculiar thing because we don't see that God directed him to do this, but God also didn't tell him he was wrong by doing this. So we see Joshua by himself Go make a memorial in a place where no one will see it except for him knowing it was put there and it being recorded and God seeing it. And to me, it speaks 
two things. The first thing it speaks is this, something that I commonly say is when the Lord does something great in your, in your life, make sure you jot that down so that you remember, so that it is a memorial stone for you to say the Lord has been with me thus far. Remember, like Samuel did when he set up the Ebenezer stone and he said, the Lord has been with us thus far. Like we can't say that he hasn't been with us. We can't lie to ourselves. So I in practice, try to jot down when the Lord has been good to me, or he's always good to me, but when he's done something amazing that, that I've waited for him to do. So I jot that down so that I can remember. And over the years, I've looked back in my notes and I'm like, whoa, I almost forgot about that. The Lord was there for me. He provided. He did his thing. He showed me that the God of the impossible can do whatever he wants. You know, so it's almost like this pile of stones that no eye, no other eye sees except for me and the Lord. And it strengthens my heart before the Lord, but it also tells the Lord that I'm grateful, that I have seen the answer to my prayers. How many of us pray and pray and pray and the Lord delivers and then we just keep moving on? We don't turn around to say, thank you. I'm grateful for what you've done. Even if no one else realizes it, Lord, I see it. And it's in my heart. And I'm even going to write it down as a memorial to me to remind me because I'm a forgetful person. So Joshua makes this pile in the river that no, no eye will see. It's pretty much just between him and the Lord. You were there for me. And the Lord had great promise on Joshua, right? This isn't like the first time Joshua's come in contact with the Lord. We know from Joshua that he was the guy that hung out outside of the tent of meeting. Even after Moses would leave, Joshua stayed there on his face. Praying, waiting, knowing that he was in the presence of the Lord. And it wasn't by mistake that Joshua was then chosen to lead. And the Lord made a promise to him. If you read the last chapter, chapter three, he says, Joshua, you be obedient to me. I will make you into a great leader. The people will revere you. You don't have to do that, Joshua. I'll do it for you. You just be obedient. You just do your job. It's like uh, a lot of times, and we've talked about this before, we think we have to make ourselves into great people right? People need to respect us. Look at the awesome thing I did, even if, if you're in ministry. Look at what I've done. And the Lord's like, no, no, I just need you to be obedient. You know, just like those guys, just carry the stone I've asked you to carry. Just do what I've asked you to do. I'll do the rest. I'll make you into what I need you to be. So the Lord has a promise on Joshua, and we see that the Lord carries it out. He does it for him. And Joshua didn't have to sit there and say, okay, well, you know, I got to do this. And this is my success plan. This is my five-year plan for me to be like the best, the best. Because, you know, I got to live up to Moses. And, and in a sense, I got to be greater than Moses because I don't want to be second rate to Moses. So, and then all of a sudden, our ego gets in the way. But if we just do what the Lord asked us to do, like the Lord reminds me constantly, it's not my job to bring people into church, right? That's not my job. My job is to teach God's word faithfully. 
even if no one's in the chairs. Doesn't matter. He didn't ask me to be a promoter. He asked me to be somebody who rightly divides the word of truth. That's it. It's my job. God will do the rest. You know? So the Lord is good, and he continues to do his work. So then we see him set up this, uh, this memorial, this hidden devotional to the Lord, this, this, this like hidden thing where it's almost like he wrote in his diary, God was there that day. He'll remember that he set up the stones on his own, right in the middle of the river. Big wall of water sitting there, and he's setting up stones, and the priests are still sitting in the middle, and he's just setting up his altar, which could have been washed away right when the water came down or whatever, but he wrote it. You know, sometimes I write um, what the Lord did for me in pieces of paper. Some of those pieces of paper have been lost, but I remember writing them. I remember stacking the stones, right? So it's not like, oh, well, nobody knows what this, you know, my diary will, you know, it may go. If it goes, it goes. But you were grateful before the Lord. You said to the Lord in your heart, I love you. I know you're there for me. Thank you. So we see that, but we also see a picture of no matter what they had gone through before, life was different now. They were now entering the promised land. They were walking in through the key, through a doorway that only the Lord could open. And it's almost as if the Israelites were leaving their wilderness life behind them. All the mistakes that their parents had made, all the mistakes that they had made, and life was now new. And sometimes, you know, when we talk about baptism, uh, Paul talks about how when the Israelites walked through the Red Sea with Moses, they were baptized unto Moses, right? Where Moses was going, they were going. Now it was a new life. They were not slaves and prisoners anymore. They were now pilgrims going to where the Lord had promised them. And almost in a sense... Now they're being baptized to follow in with Joshua. But Joshua was kind of like, he was different. Now he's like, listen, we're going into the promised land. We're following after the Lord. You're going to be obedient to the Lord. So these people had to remember that that past life is done, washed away with the Jordan. And now they begin a new life. You may have failures in your past, even as you walked with the Lord. But remember that when we walk up to Jesus and we say, Jesus, I need you to forgive me. I've messed up. That we can repent of everything we've done and walk with the Lord and not have to go back to that anymore. You know, there have been times in my life personally where I was doing something that was kept knocking me off track with the Lord, right? I'm trying to have communion with him and then like... You know, whatever it is, it knocks me off track with the Lord, out of communion. And I finally have to say, Lord, today I'm finished. It's done. I change. Help me. I need your strength. I need the ability to do your will. I need the ability to stack those stones in the middle of the Jordan and let the Jordan wash away and me walk into the promised land following after you, following the Holy Spirit as we go. 
not stuck in the failures of my past. I need you. I need you to wash me clean. And I need to, I want to walk new with you into a new chapter. So Israel was entering a new chapter as they were walking out of this riverbed. And it was a transition time. And it was a time to be able to forget the past, forget how they had failed, forget the the things that they commonly did or whatever, and say, I'm new. Jesus, help me. Help me to be new. Because we know that Jesus makes us into a new creation. So he's okay with that. He can do that work. We just have to be willing to allow him to do that work in our lives. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just praise you and we thank you for your word. Lord, we just pray that you would bless us as we want to hear your word, Lord, as we want to live it. Lord, help us to understand through your Holy Spirit. And Lord, help us as we, as we walk into this um, promised land in this Holy Spirit-led life. On our way to you, Lord. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you. And Lord, I pray that you'd be with us as we go have a barbecue later, that we'd have a great time, Lord. But Lord, we want to lift up your name. We want to fellowship in you. And we just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.